Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. It's the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. Today, we're bringing you a very special Leftovers episode where we're going to go over an old favorite movie and relate it back to some sort of leftovers you could find in your fridge. And we are joined by a special guest today. Tim Hall, host of the Buckeye Show here in Columbus, for those of you who are fan listeners and avid old movie watcher. So he's going to be a perfect uh, addition to this podcast today. I'm going to start it off, guys. Well, what first, do you think well, of... hold on. Well, hold on. Hold okay. on a minute. This is our moment where we are finally, Tim has been complaining to us for eight months now. This is true. What about not being on the podcast while not pitching us any ideas? So, Tim, welcome. Here's your moment in the sun. <laughs> you guys, yeah. wee! What a predicament! <laughs> no, thank you. And come on, tell the truth. You have asked me about fifty times mm-hmm. to come on here, and there's always a scheduling conflict. So, yeah, that's it. You guys are very, very lucky to catch me for Correct. this edition. Yes, I, re- I really no, really, I, I do appreciate it. This all started what where you guys were talking about Batman and it just <laughs> caught me on a day where I was very interested in Batman as well. <laughs> and you had this run where it just looked like T-Bone was coming on Nerd Association like every single week. I thought it was a three man booth, but no, it's. It's great to be on finally, boys. And it's great to have you, Timmy. Well, I'm glad we could finally get together on on uh, this topic that I don't want to spoil just yet. Timmy gave us a little yeah. bit of a teaser. And as I understand it, we are going to have you back in a couple of weeks, but we'll save that. So anyway, sorry, Chops, to interrupt you. Continue. All right, I'll kick it off for this Leftovers episode. Daniel, Tim, what do you think of when I, when I say, I can eat a peach for hours? <laughs> It's disgusting. Uh-oh. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to go line. with that one. It's it's the most ridiculous thing. Because he starts with asking about where should he order flowers, and he's like, wait, wait, let me rephrase. And just throws that out there. So anyway, for people who haven't uh, checked in with this movie since 1997, uh, th- that is a line from Face Off uh, with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, both of whom were about to be out of their prime, I argue, when that movie hit. That might have been one of the last big hurrahs for them. Uh, National yeah, the Treasure might other, be like, Nicolas Cage's exception, but I think of like uh, Swordfish, which I think came right a little bit after this, okay. and that was kind of a popular movie. But sure, yeah, Travolta yeah, has Halle Berry. Been, yeah, he hasn't been at the top since around this time. Yeah, and of course that was when John Woo was really in his heyday, right? He was just—I mean, he was kicking them out several times a year. These just like big action thriller movies. And this is the biggest of action thriller movies I could think of. It's uh, they just it's jam packed. I was surprised when it was two and a half hours long. I didn't remember that it being that it was that long. Yeah, I thought of all the like the classic films that they tried to keep to like, you know, an hour and 45. And then this is two, <laughs> two nineteen. I thought that was very funny. It is painfully long, isn't it? Yeah. But, just when you think it's over, it nope. Now there's a boat chase. Like it's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to have the boat chase. And... But it happens like four times that like you like okay, this seems like the the climax, but nope. What's so funny about how when Chops texted me if I wanted to come on, he's like, hey, do you like face off? And I was like, well, like is an interesting <laughs> word to use, but 
It is highly entertaining. I think it is one of the best worst movies maybe of all time. Like this is up there. You talk about Nick Cage, Con Air is another one. Like we could do the same podcast <laughs> on that movie. It's such a, a special flick with like Dave Chappelle falling from the sky onto somebody's hood, right? Yeah. But this one really is great. And my wife had just like seen it in Amazon Prime and she said something to me about it as if like she thought I was some super fan of the movie. She's like, hey, there's Face Off. You're going to watch And I'm like, why did you ask me that like that? <laughs> there's something about you, Tim, <laughs> that seems like you'd be a fan of Face Off. Daniel and I had this exact conversation when we were talking about this podcast this week. And we're like, I don't know for sure, but it just seems like <laughs> And it. I don't even think that's a derogatory thing to say because you're right. No, it is such, it's fine. a terrible movie. And yet it's a great movie in lots of ways. Yeah. Take his face off. <laughs> and they like build up, they like hit that so many times just to make sure you know, hey, Take we're saying the face off. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's just, uh, Let's well, yeah, I mean, the movie sucks, but and I, I trust the people at Rotten Tomatoes a lot. I, I have found that my interests in, in what I truly think about cinema falls somewhat in line with sure. what the Rotten Tomatoes percentage meter is. And I love to play the guessing game. Like there's nothing I love more to do than to see a film and then try to just sort of hit it within three or four percentage points of what I think the Rotten Tomatoes meter is going to be. Yeah. And I went with like 43% with Face Off, thinking that, you know, it was a, it was really successful. Give it its credit. I looked it up. It made almost a quarter billion at the box office. It would strike me as a movie that has it. a a higher audience score than a critic score. Yes, e exactly, definitely. So I I thought like because it was a bit of a fan favorite and we still watch it years later that it wouldn't be like down in the twenties or the thirties for the truly over the top piece of crap you know action film that it is. But it was ninety two percent. I was also 92. shocked. <laughs> I was also that's, shocked. It's by one that. of the best movies of all time, guys. <laughs> that's yeah. That that's crazy. The, the, okay, so how did this movie even get past the pitch? The initial pitch for this movie: Oh, uh, <laughs> we're gonna have two guys, and one's a terrorist, the other's a cop, and to catch the terrorist, they switch faces, and then the terrorist wakes up and he puts on his face, and then nobody can tell him apart. It's impossible. And they're like, "Okay, yeah, make a two and a half hour movie. That that sounds great." So something I, st I, I you know, we always compare notes a little bit before we record, but save the good stuff. Something that I, as I was like, I haven't seen it in years. I want to come back to that question of like, do you know when you first saw it? But I was I was looking at just okay who's in the, who's in this what characters am I looking for? It immediately is obvious to me that that the brothers are Castor and Pollux, which are the Greek and Roman like famous twin brothers, right? Yes. They're Gemini, and yep. they're Castor and Pollux of Troy, brothers of yep. Helen of Troy, and this movie is about a Trojan horse operation, right? Yeah. So so, yeah. so I'm thinking the concept, high concept, pulling on these like mythological things. Yeah. So it's to me that makes it sound like because right around this time, now, mythology and like Shakespeare are completely different. But like, remember the Romeo and Juliet movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, where they took that story and put it just threw it into the modern day, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And so there, I think at this time they are taking these like classic stories or these well-known concepts. And they're trying to do something new with them. And so I think the pitch meeting is it's it's this section of the Trojan War uh, 
but modernized with an, a, a terrorist, an FBI guy, and they and they swap faces. And in concept, that's badass. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you do you guys cuss at all on this podcast? Some PG thirteen is how we keep it on this. P, yeah, P, so you can get like one shit in a podcast, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, if you get a, if you get, work. If you get a couple that's, of f words in there, then it takes our podcast like two hours longer well, to get, upload. You essentially, you should get like one one f bomb for a PG thirteen, right? But no, mm-hmm. that to do the Greek mythology thing, and then to end it with like laser technology slicing somebody's face <laughs> off. Which, which, by the way. They have all of that like cleanliness and sterile operation going on, but then when they cut the face off, they just put it right onto his face. Mm-hmm. Like the blood and the guts is just sitting <laughs> yeah, there. Like they put the one face into like a sterile liquid, right? There's no rinse or They just cut the face off and then put it right onto yours. And then we're just gonna patch you up and we're good to go. And like I don't I don't know the science behind how your face is attached, but like your lips, like yeah, they attach to your face, but aren't they attached to something else? It just looks like you. They make it seem like you can cut an outline of your face and pull the whole thing off, just no, nilly nilly. Correct. You like you would that. have to you would have to like lift the lip up and do incisions inside. You're not that, huh, you would have to do the same thing like in your <laughs> That's eye where this sockets. Falls apart for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just not buying this whole face thing. It's not very realistic. I like another crazy thing about this movie. movie movie being as popular as it is is it is a really bold move to alienate your audience by murdering a child yeah to start a film people do not like that and for good reason it's not i'm not saying like ah, people are so stuck up but like that's well, a really try, bold he didn't try to do it chops i mean it, it wasn't was an intentional lateral damage okay the bullet went right through yeah as an opening move it is it is a it is a bold opening move and i will say that i didn't remember that part of it in the least i didn't remember that was the reason that this well, it's whole okay, thing started at the end they replace them because yeah, that's how children work which is real weird huh <laughs> i want to right Let's can can we do a, a timeout for just a second? I said this to Chops. I think I saw Face Off when it came out on VHS in '98, and I would have been nine years old, which raises questions about my parents and why they were letting me watch that. <laughs> do you guys? Can you? T- and I think that was the last time I saw Face Off. I don't think I've seen it between then and now. So mm-hmm. when was the last time you saw Face Off, and how how surprised were you? based on when that last viewing was, because I was quite mm. surprised. <laughs> How something ages, that's always the great question. Right. Chops, I, I will yeah. say, I so 1997, I was 13 years old, so I would have been having to sneak in to see an R-rated movie when they're in Northern Virginia at the AMC where I went to at the, the Potomac Mills Mall. They were carding hard for rated R movies. So we would get tickets to like a cartoon or a G-rated or whatever, a PG pg film whatever and then we would sneak over but i I didn't see that one in the theater i definitely saw it probably in 1998 soon after its release on vhs and my friend john gutierrez that was the house that i could always go to where his parents just didn't give a flip what we were doing (laughs) like that's where i first discovered you know the that that part of the internet when it was dial-up speed at at john's (laughs) house so we would have we watched it there and we enjoyed it together when boobs took three minutes to download like that's where (laughs) the download speeds weren't there but you were willing to wait if you work for it you can get some things accomplished but i i saw it again a year ago yeah and i still had a great time and obviously it was way different and i thought like man like this is just absurd i mean there's there's literally like a hundred things that I could jot down that it's, we can get yeah, into the pod about just what is just really 
out of left field with this film, but it's still entertaining. And that's, that's what you're looking for, right? So for me, as yeah. far as when I first saw it, I think I, I've never actually sat down and just straight up watched it, but through, you know, like pop culture osmosis, I've learned a lot about this movie and I probably saw it on like TNT or something. My first real like idea of what it was, was we moved here into Ohio in 2004. So I think that summer, or at least the next summer, 2005, would have been the first time I ever went to Kings Island. And the ride that is now called Invertigo, because Paramount used to own Kings Island, and they used to name their rides after movies that they owned. And a ride that was called Invertigo was called Face Off. And it was one of those back and forth ones where it really? went one way, and then you went backwards the other way. And it was called Face Off. And I remember asking- There was a Face Off ride. Yeah, and it was it had the pictures cool. of Travolta and Nick Cage up there, and I was like, "What is this this Face Off movie? I've never never heard of this. I'm a kid." And either my dad or my brother were, were telling me like the the concept. And even as a child, a 11, 12 year old kid, I was like, "That sounds really stupid." <laughs> wow, what a cynical child you were. Hey, you know, real quick, I grew up in Virginia where we had Paramount's King's Dominion, which was the mirror, which was the Face Off. If Kings Island was John Travolta then King's Dominion was Nicolas Cage. So okay. I grew up in Nicolas Cage going to that park with all the same rides virtually. I've been to King's Dominion. We were out at Virginia Beach one year and we went there. Used there the you same go. Pass yep. as King's Richmond Island. area, yeah. But yeah, back to face-off. The, the ride's a lot of fun. The next question is, and I mean this, how did Nick Cage keep getting work? Because well, when your I uncle is Francis well, Ford Coppola, I think that I mean helps I think that's one. the answer. But like you mentioned, <laughs> Con Air, he just he always plays an unhinged character, but it's not even that he does it particularly well. He's never menacing, even though he's playing these like crazy bad guys. And that's the best. That's the best part about Face Off is because Nicolas Cage doesn't do a very good John Travolta impression. Yeah, but John Travolta does a decent Nicolas Cage impression. So you get double the cage in this movie because Nicolas Cage is always Nicolas Cage. Right. And then John Travolta trying to act like Nicolas Cage acting as Castro Troy, acting as Sean Archer. It's a four-layered movie, by the way. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just one layer. You know, you, you a real person, is acting like a character in a movie. This has four <laughs> layers. I love uh, that. I think I read that uh, from Shea Serrano once explaining how this yeah. is four well, of and, and also well, it's, it's just so weird no go ahead daniel no, i was just gonna say too you know you know that like early on in the film they decided that the only way to have them play one character and then play the other was for one of them to be absolutely manic and the other one to be like cl clinically depressed and suicidal so that when they swapped there was some noticeable difference in character they couldn't play anything nuanced they had to play the farthest ends yeah. of the spectrum away from one another so that, as you said, so that Nicolas Cage is just like, and then John Travolta later, he'd just be like, literally in the case of, yeah, die, die. But literally in the case of him like doing Latin at the funeral, just being like, like, that's, I mean, it's just, I had noticed like, man, that had to be something like the meetings between the actors and the director in that one. Well, well wait, be. like your first point about how did Nick Cage keep getting work? Yeah. Like after after that movie for Cage, like what was the other like biggest box office? National he did, Treasure. I guess, have that. 
he had that he had the national treasures and he did have that lord of war matchstick man weatherman he, yeah he did some he did some more dramatic roles that are, yeah. that are decent like the family man yeah. you mentioned matchstick men he did uh what's the Kick one where ass. he plays a he plays a twin adaptation that yeah. has meryl streep yeah. in it he had he actually i think good... he got an oscar nomination for that that's crazy. He had a pretty good 2000 to 2010, and then he just hit the brick wall, right? Like, the favor stopped coming in, and it was funny. Like, you would see some Nick Cage, like, low-rent films popping up on the streaming services, mm -hmm. and yeah. every single plot would be the same for him. Like, he got totally – I wouldn't even call it blackballed out of Hollywood because if he was really, like, a legend, if he was a Tom Hanks, he's only 57. He'd be getting right. cast in great roles consistently, but it just stopped, and every single film would be like – a man's daughter was murdered and he seeked vengeance. Well, like, yeah, because every he, Nick Cage internet movie ever since he can't stop because he spends all his money. Right. So he has to take any, he can't be selective at all and wait for a good project. He has to take any movie right. that comes his way. And this is where we're at with Nick Cage now because he's not getting face off anymore. And, and by the way, between face off and the like, I remember Lord of War and I don't know how old I was when that came out, but I specifically remember the, the article or the interview where it was like, Lord of War is Nicholas Cage comeback film and by the way can we talk about the fact that in between those um he was the first choice to play aragorn in lord of the rings like imagine oh how God. different that trilogy would have been i didn't know that <laughs> yes and i think because of the coppola connection um for Is those that, wait remind remind me i'm not like huge into lord of the rings that's the lead right that's well yeah vigo mortensen that's right. vigo yeah. yeah oh my god thank yeah. goodness imagine that, that right um there was some sort of conflict <laughs> in fact it may have been a conflict with lord of war um but anyway yeah but you were right. saying about how it was just tr the the whole idea here where travolta has to sort of act like nick cage and nick cage has mm -hmm. to act like travolta John had to say like, well, shit, like all I have to do is be manic and completely <laughs> out of my mind. Yeah. Like that, that's just super easy to do. And what I, I thought when Nick Cage transformed into playing Sean Archer, like it, it wasn't even five minutes on the screen where he was still losing his control as Nick Cage would. Yes. Like nothing. And you know what, by the way, yeah. nothing, nothing will tell everyone around you that you really are a person by shouting out that you are that person. <laughs> I'm Caster Troy. Yeah! <laughs> I'm Caster Troy. Yeah! And then he gets the crazy eyes. And it's like, okay, you're Nicholas Cage again. That's, like you can't even pretend to be somebody that's else. That's the best part when he looks at his brother Pollux when they're in that prison and he can tell that he, he might be losing them. And then, yeah, he just, he just flips the switch and doesn't even try anymore. He's just like, I'm Nicholas Cage again. And right, like, but we're being unfair because he is supposed to be Caster Troy. Yeah, it's, like he has to sort of be the crazy Nick Cage guy for that first 10 minutes or so. It's just funny how it, right out of the right. bag, it's just still classic Nick yeah. Cage overacting. So you get double Nick Cage in this. Now that we're, we're talking about that, let's talk about the prison and how ridiculous of an idea. So, you, you know, it, it's just stacking a bunch of ideas on top of each other. It's, it, you know, it's, it reminds me of the, the thing with jokes where like when you do a joke too many times and it, or you add too much to it and it's like putting a hat on a hat, this is like putting a face on a face and they just keep <laughs> stacking them and it's just ridiculous. And it's like, why does it need to be like, okay, maximum security prison, but to the point where like they have these metal magnetic lockdown shoes, like it's not yeah, big boots, metal boots. Also it's Erewhon prison, which is nowhere spelled backwards. <laughs> and they, in fact say it that you're nowhere, man, this is Erewhon prison. They say them in back to back phrases. <laughs> To just make sure you, like, how clever are we? Wink, wink, nod, nod. 
But yeah, Erewhon prison is nowhere spelled backwards. I mean, the best come thing about on. The prison, the, besides the absurdity, what, the, the other thing about the prison is they play cable news for them to watch, or at least the local news for them to watch on like the Jumbotron. That is like clearly information that they would like want. Like, isn't this supposed to be maximum security? Why yeah. would you be sharing terrorist information about what's right. going on in the outside world with these prisoners? I don't know. Letting the terrorists know how his uh, bomb hunt is going. Right. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, bat. Sorry, Caster, but they found and defused your bomb. Shout out, by Tough the way, break. to John Carroll Lynch, the prison guard Walton, the like the big guy, the big bad, uh, who is just who just mm-hmm. always plays like a, a beefy, imposing person. He's in Zodiac as Arthur Lee yeah. Miller. Is or it, isn't he him. that same character in uh, Shutter Island? Isn't yeah. he also one of the prison yeah. guards? And, and he quotes he quotes Shawshank Redemption. When he's like, you know, you're now you're an Erewhon, uh, your ass is mine. That's a line from Shawshank Redemption that came out four years earlier. So, <laughs> just like, yeah, uh, just throw it in there. It's a popular movie. Perfect. My other favorite thing about the uh, prison is Dubov, who yeah. they basically they basically turn into like Frankenstein's monster through either shock treatment or whatever that machine is supposed to be, and then he just is like this heavy muscle bound guy that you know works for. Sean Archer as Caster Troy, but to show that he's still Sean Archer behind the face, he's about to kill one guy after he just killed like four people anyways. He's about to kill a guy needlessly, and he goes, Dubois, no, no. Just to prove, oh, yeah, yeah he's, he's oh, okay. FBI heart of gold. And yeah, then the guy listens to him, too. I won't kill like, him then. By the way, I'm doing a little <laughs> I'm doing a little research on, uh, on Face Off, which is good to do right in the middle of your show, right? Uh, apparently, yes. um, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger were originally tapped to be Archer and Troy. Then it was going to be Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford. And then eventually John Travolta and Nick Cage. Wait, wait, wait. Sly and Arnold. Yes. Right, because that would work for a face removal. Can you imagine them trying to do just the same, right? Yeah, I, I I like height and weight and all that. In yeah. my in my uh, version of that film, they just try to do impressions of each other instead of trying to do the voice up. So you got, oh yeah, I'm uh I'm Caster Troy, and 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 I'm Sean <laughs> Archer. Yeah. Get to the chopper as he's like running off the top of the prison. Like get to the chopper, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the prison uh, was also an island too. You forgot that, yeah. like stacking things. Yeah, it was like a, it was like an oil rig. It was an oil rig in the middle of the ocean. So we're screwed. I love I love the fact that, I'm sorry I was gonna say I love the fact that a terrorist just jumps out and it's only like a 50 foot drop to the water and the helicopter's right there and they said ah dead. forget it like he's dead <laughs> and then he just <laughs> and then he swims to, to shore just fine nobody's <laughs> right. like maybe keep an eye on the sh- the, cl- the the closest shore and watch the water line it. right there and see if he comes up for air <laughs> here is no, cer- here's certainly the de- here's certainly the deal with that they wanted Alcatraz but they couldn't put him in Alcatraz because he needed to be closer to L.A. You know what I mean? It's the idea yeah. is like Alcatraz is the prison you can't escape from because you die in the bay when you try to swim back to San Francisco. So they couldn't use it, but they wanted that concept. And in fact, as he jumps off, you can see the shoreline. It's not that far away for him to swim. Plus, but didn't they just make the rock? Probably. They probably just couldn't get it. Or again, it wouldn't make sense for it to be Alcatraz because it wouldn't. It, he would have had to swim, you know, whatever, how many hundreds of miles from <laughs> to get there. The very, I, I wouldn't very right put time. it past this movie, though, to, <laughs> sure, to throw yeah. that in there. So yeah, he he escapes and then he uh, gets back with his terrorist. Well, it's it's so hard to keep track of 
because yes, he as Caster Troy goes to the terrorist organization to like try to get things back to normal, but he also has to still pretend to be Caster Troy. It's very it's very tough to speak of because there's again there's so many layers to these characters, and they're definitely better at being the other the other person than they were in their own life. Like, yeah, like, they're both, yeah, they both just like, in, in, they're both more successful at what they were doing previously. They're like better the, pretending. Like, like the, the, the acting in this movie is at such a rudimentary level <laughs> that it gets better when they do the face switch. They pretend to be the other guy. It's like, oh, wow, you're actually, you're playing that better. Well, and, and they don't even have the moment. Archer. They don't even have the moment of realization. Re- like, Archer as Troy gets a little closer to getting like, oh, I understand a little bit more about, but really all he's getting is how crappy Troy was to everyone around him. It's not that they're having a moment where they walk in the other shoes and understand something about each other. Yeah. They just are like, well, I guess I'm going to beat, I'm going to do this now. I'm And and it's, and of course I'm going to have sex with his wife and then I'm going to try to have sex with his daughter because nobody's going to be, no one's going to think that's weird. It's yeah. Like there's just, there's no way that anyone would believe Troy as Archer. Like the fact that they try to pass that off as like something that's getting by enough yeah. is ridiculous. Cause like they set it up in that first thing when like Archer, when he's still Archer after they catch Caster Troy, he's saying like, well, what about all the people who we lost on this mission and all this stuff? And then the, the next thing, when they, yeah. when they stop the bomb, he comes in and he's just like the biggest gloat about Cock it at walk. all. And, yeah. yeah. I stopped the bomb. Yeah. And they're all like, wow, I'm glad to see he's come around. Um, you That's got the just... stick surgically removed from your ass, sir. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. And then Thanks. he gets all worried. Like you, what, what do you have to be worried about? You sound like him. You are him. And someone says one line to you and you're like, wait, wait, what? Like he has that moment. Where like, what do you, what do you know? Like, what do you know? Right. Oh, the stick was removed mm-hmm. from my ass. Yes. Ha ha. That's a good joke. And you have the entire power <laughs> of the U S government behind you. Like, why why would yeah i agree with you there's this undue concern going on that he could he can spoil all of our plans because he can claim to be me oh you know what i i don't know whoever he uh, it's hard even yes. to think of how to finish that sentence he's who he's claiming but what did yes. you guys think of the gore with the actual surgery you knew you know with a john woo movie right that the violence is going to be over the top but there's not like it's not Quentin Tarantino violence with John Mm -hmm. Woo where like buckets of blood pour out after every single gunshot you know it's just there's some explosions there's certainly it's really it's the classic era of running and jumping and shooting like that's what it's all about running and jumping and shooting at the same time with double pistols but (laughs) the this the surgery was something that we've never really seen before on film i don't know to that extent like to see just face guts and blood like right yeah. up there and they're sure and they, they're, they make a point to show you a little bit the end but they never show it too much it's all like one one frame like they'll flash back yeah, to yeah. caster troy talking to his side of the camera flash, frame yeah, yeah and just real quick but like you can obviously see it and yeah it's a it, i mean i don't mind the gore too much but they're obviously not trying to like fully make it gory just to just to kind of scare you a little bit of Caster Troy, I guess. And I'm really glad they didn't. They wouldn't have been able to look, make it look convincing. So I'm glad they didn't spend more time on it. They made it. They gave you just enough for your eyes to fill in the rest of the blanks on your own. Yeah. So no, I I was like, oh no, are they gonna try to do the like the Harvey Dent thing? But but even Dark Knight like all right like barely face. pulled that yeah. off. <laughs> it's just no. It's I, just Nicolas Cage with a skeleton face. 
I, oh. I actually thought that <laughs> was Rider. one of the things that worked. Yeah, no, I thought that was one of the things that worked more than many of the other things did in the film with how they did that scene and they were subtle about it, but you could see glimpses and how would it look? Obviously, it's going to have to be nasty and disgusting, but it was it was just the right amount of it. The, and the the whole like plot in this movie is something that just blows your mind. So yeah, because a, a lot of times, it. a lot of times for a movie, less is more, and that works and suspense and all that stuff. And that is the only time in the movie they really show restraint. Everything else is just right. Pack it to the gills as much as you possibly can, and let's go. Let's film it. And even you know we've talked about the runtime many times. They just keep throwing stuff into this movie. Any it feels like any idea that came up for a set piece, they rolled with and left nothing on the cutting room floor. With the faces, one thing I wanted to bring up is, couldn't wouldn't it be easier to teach an actor to act like Caster Troy than the FBI agent who's been following him, and just switch faces with the actor? then that wouldn't leave it open for Caster Troy to here's the thing. make his face if he does wake up. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting how it was only about two and a half to five minutes of film time when the idea is first constructed to when you're like, well, guess I got to switch my face now. <laughs> I mean, it was like, could we at least like interrogate? I don't even think they interrogated Pollux Troy past that one little five minute instance in the room. Right. They're like, he won't talk. You didn't even let Sean Archer go in there and get in his ass, right? You didn't do anything. It's like, oh, well, I guess we know the guy. We're going to have the uh, the face removal surgery. We're going to send you to prison now. So have fun with that. I mean, Chops, to your point, I think the idea was that the FBI agent who's been obsessed with the terrorist for the last 10 years knows him better than anybody else. But doesn't mean he knows how to act. But like, do yeah, do something. If you have the the world's most wanted terrorist and you just leave him in the medical facility overnight unattended, you wouldn't do that in like the most basic hospital in the world. Like <laughs> yes. the most basic uh, hospital in the world, you wouldn't just leave him unattended. And this is the most like, wanted terrorist. T- how about ten things on your list before you go to switching the faces? Yeah, sure. This. This was yeah. like the second thing on the list. Well, because no, they we'll literally have. Okay, he won't tell us where the bomb is. Now, thing two, let's switch faces. Yeah, they literally have a ticking time bomb, so they have to move fast. But and, they have eight and days, this. and this is this is also <laughs> one of those movies too where it's like I feel like the lead is buried. Like if you develop this technology, and like they totally pass over that, like they developed a, an insert that can change your voice into anybody's voice. Yeah. All these things that are like, what is this? Like, where is the next step? with this stuff what's going on with this technology because that's like actually probably a little bit more interesting than the story so the sequel to face off is would have been more interesting than face off is what you're saying yes except they destroyed the lab and all the research was gone i'm not well but then the thing that boggles my mind no more super soldiers only one captain america they destroy the lab okay i and i agree yeah they destroy the lab there's this in this idea that well they guess they're stuck like this and then in the end of the movie they're like we're gonna bring in the best folks from dc and they just undo it all so (laughs) was that technology really that revolutionary if just some schmo could come in i mean no no there was only one other guy there was it's the united states of america daniel there was only one other doctor just create some big wig out there and they could never be in the same room at the same time they're kept in separate vaults you know anyway i just kind of was like ugh. i want to get to something like this we've mentioned how weird and crazy the movie is and all these strange things that happen one 
what's what's one question where you think it all should have fallen apart and two what's your favorite quote from the movie it's very quotable well chops do you want to start us off because i am gonna have to think about that (laughs) all right i'll start it off because i asked the question and it was probably selfish because i already had the answers to it (laughs) one my favorite my favorite quote is when he uh when Casper Troy is escaping after he set up the bomb and he gets on the uh he gets on the plane and I know I already did the the peach one not that one the one where he's he's late he's late to this event and he shows up and is like it's fine it doesn't really matter and then he gets on the plane and sits down and immediately goes let's go let's go I'm bored let's go just like I mean I know it's to set up his character and everything but I really like that line because I think it's a really easy one that you can throw into your everyday life. So that's why I like it is my favorite quote. For me, the thing that would throw everything off and completely destroy everything is the Sean Archer's wife like has to know that something's up, but shouldn't she know for sure when he makes that lovely romantic dinner for them and that's they, right after it, they do it. This and would never happen, right? She, she, he serves lobster and later in the movie, Archer as Troy is talking to her to to let them know that that he's her and he talks about how he took a vegetarian on their first date to surf and turf so he knows she's a vegetarian which is obviously something you would know about your wife too so then why wouldn't she be confused when her husband who knows she's a vegetarian made her lobster can i piggyback on the the thing from that scene i don't know what the the line of the question is just yet but like to piggyback on that not to be the guy that goes there are we assuming then that Caster Troy and Sean Archer have the same penis? I th- I thought the because same thing. Because <laughs> you would think that like any difference there would be apparent if you've been married for that long. <laughs> I guess I guess at that point of the marriage though, the I lights get... are out, you don't want to look at each other, you're pretending that you're somebody else anyway. I don't so. know, to me like that the whole premise there is like I don't know, I feel like people I don't and I don't want to have this conversation on nerd association, but I feel like no, people have perfect. their moves, they have their preferences yeah. and they like yeah. get There's to know that part of end. yeah, exactly. You get well, to know that even... anatomy. Even if their body types are similar, there's still things like scars and just, you know, just general shapes of other body yes, parts. That's that you a big thing in the movie. Well, yeah. his love the, handles the are taken wound. off, too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Even that, use, you would think. They yeah, use but that, plastic uh, surgery and the tummy tucks and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they cut you can write They laser cut it. You can write off for, like, people he works with or people he just Correct. knows as acquaintances. But you really think the wife would know that. And she should already be tipped off by the lobster because he knows she's a vegetarian. Yeah. Caster Troy doesn't. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that is, like, used as as a potential point of interest and then just thrown away. And, again, I'm still not answering your question, but the fact but- that he calls him bro and he's like, you know I hate that, and then – that he like does it later in the film, which I guess is supposed to suggest that, or at Sean Archer drops that like bro thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know. It just felt like a thing that should have paid off in a better way than uh, that moment well, of rep- you, he doesn't even reference. He doesn't even say yeah, like if you take- I told you I hate that like. If you take time to make it a line and waste the movie time on it, right. then it should mean something. That's like a rule number one of making a movie. And it doesn't even it doesn't even get a reaction from the character that it's supposed to get a reaction from, let alone the audience. You know, you know what, Chops? Like that's such a hard question to answer for a movie like this where 
honestly, the entire plot is something that loses you. Like you right. just, yes. you have to let, you have to let your realistic just, guard drop when you yeah, go into this suspension film. Like it's, of it's disbelief. Your, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's your fault. If you're going to be too critical <laughs> of things that are going on in freaking but I, off, yeah, but right? Tim, that's what wait, I'm saying. Timmy, Ex you're on nerd association. What do you expect? Like, <laughs> except the, the premise of face off. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But then there has to be little details that should be still taken seriously. And that's what no, I'm getting I, at. It, is, no. And I like that too. Makes or something. I, I like that too, because like when the reason I like some of the, the new age comic book movies and why I liked the, the Chris Nolan Batman trilogy is that you could actually, I try to get my mind into a world where, okay, like this could really happen. There yeah. could be a billionaire guy with lots of money who is goes somewhere and becomes one of the most you know highly trained martial artists of all time, and could really kick everybody's asses and wants to you know hold hold it down for his city and right. save people. So there's some part of me that'll do that, and even in comic book movies, I'm like, well, yeah, well they have the vibranium, so the vibranium helps them, so they yeah, can. There do just all has these to be things. rules when sense. you have these things, so, yeah. right? Some some types of rules, but. I, I guess living in that world, my big problem was the prison escape. Like even yeah. after like all of the the face removal and all that, it worked. The fact that you are, I mean, locked down, like we talked about, this is this prison. You cannot escape this. You have magnetic metal boots on. When the dude like hits him with the stick, his feet are still stuck, so his torso yeah, falls just like, back, and his feet are still attached to the floor. I don't know about you, that part looks incredibly awkward when he gets hit and he falls oh, I, down. I but like how that they detail. Get out of that with but, gunfire, yeah. gunfire raining down on him from two levels up on the catwalk. They're shooting at him, and him and Bob, right, just escape the place. <laughs> and th that's where it's like, oh, okay, he just jumps off, and they don't even look for him. They just think that he's dead. I actually liked, and I thought it worked when caster troy as sean archer gets really pissed off that they didn't find his body i can't even think of what the, the line was but if i just watched the, put the movie yeah. on again i think that might actually be one of my favorite quotes how he overreacts is like you didn't find his freaking body like what do you mean like it's like well then he's not dead you yeah. idiots that is like how obsessed sean archer is about caster troy because he killed his son so that part actually worked for me I, I, what's funny, Chops, I, I think that the premise of the face swap isn't the most outlandish thing in the film. I can accept yeah. the premise. It's the it's the bad it's the bad writing after that that gets super ridiculous. And that's a yeah, gonna... that's a bad thing to be able to say is like the ridiculous premise is fine. The the what should be the okay like proceeding from it is not. Well, it would be the like lack of respect for religion in this movie too. Just the blatant lack of respect for the gun scenes in churches and how Nick Cage is wearing the uh, the, the priest get up yeah. and yes. he just makes those facial expressions and he's doing well, like the, 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 the way he treats that choir girl. I thought she was like also a plant that was working with him. Yeah. But no, he just is assaulting this choir girl in in public and no like one's an reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. Just an extra add on to his his terrorism that day. Just right. Yeah. Like, assault I, this girl. A hundred percent. Like she's one of the cronies in the gang, right? And she's just cool with it. Yeah, apparently, apparently not, <laughs> like, huh? What do you? Yeah, uh... I, I think, um, to your point about the religious thing, okay, controversial. The, the boat scene took me out completely out. I was like, this, it would have been way cooler in the battle of good and evil 
for it to actually have happened and ended at the church. That's a way better shootout place than like, okay, now we're going to tack on the Indiana Jones boat scene. I hated no, they, it. They needed right. they to not to have it. They it had to like complete that. their Mad Lib. Somebody had drawn, you know, <laughs> somebody right. had said, uh, what's it, the harpoon? And they're yeah. like, well, we got to find a way to fit that into the movie. There's no uh, high-speed car chase, though. Like, that's yeah. missing, right? They had to get some kind of yeah. chase scene. And so they well, they, there there's cars, the cars chasing a plane. The plane. <laughs> that's more of a helicopter chase. Yeah, it's more yeah. of the helicopter chasing the plane. Yeah. And I, I also love that, too, how they are in a jet and... He, it's just Nick Cage, Caster Troy is stopping at nothing to get away. And they are in the jet. They are moving down the runway and they manage to get caught by cars and yeah. a helicopter that's going at what? Like minimal speed. And then he just crashes. He just accepts it basically. Like that's the other thing. Like he doesn't work a way to get out of the situation. He just kills the pilot, which is an obscenely dumb move. And tries to steer with one hand. Tries to steer the plane with like one it's a, hand. Like it's a riding lawnmower. Right. right. Like, you need to now get in the seat and teach yourself how to fly a Learjet right now. Or you're just going to crash it into the hangar and the whole thing is, uh, the jig is up. And by right? the way, in that hangar where there's a conveniently placed semi-wind tunnel, as all hangars have. Of course. Yes. Right? What? I thought that was just one of the jet's engines that was still yeah. running that he pushed him in front of. No, he actually hits the button, button and yeah. sends him back into the cage. I, yeah. I think I think the moment chops that ruins it for me, and I already said it, but I'll say it again, is the fact that you have the most wanted terrorist in the world in a quote unquote coma being left alone in a private medical facility overnight. To, that's that's the yeah. you you could they, have so avoided they that in like all you would have had to do is finally one agent with him that he had to like, kill with a scalpel or something. It's just they like, finally catch him, uh, and they essentially just donate him to, uh, to science, like a private, yeah. A pri yeah, yeah, private science. But I guess the 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 pushback on that would maybe be because well, Castro Troy's in prison, so they can't have anybody guarding this because they can't have anybody know that it's Castro Troy because Castro Troy is in prison. I guess, but that's now, I, I still think it's stupid. You, they could hire just anybody and say, "Watch this guy; he's a bad guy." Doesn't it not fit with the plot, though? There because are two here, this, agents they, that, that do know. The the two agents that are in on it. Keep the circle small. Yeah. They you, you could be the, the people small. watching him. They could trade duty for a couple of days. Like that. But they know, they know that they're going to need this guy. They're going to need information. Sometimes you don't just kill, like, the, the baddest, biggest dude that's there because they can roll on a lot of people. Yeah. I, I'm not saying they should have killed him. I'm saying and, – and by the way, like – Put him in a private – if there is a prison that immediately accepts Caster Troy into it because it's off but the books. They couldn't have any of Troy's people know that he was still out there, you know? So they but, wanted to bring as little attention to the whole thing as possible, so they didn't want to bring anybody else in. It's, no, That's sorry. If you, you, all you have to do is find, like, it's if, they, if the FBI has this, like, off-the-book special ops division – then they definitely have a special ops off the books prison cell yeah. somewhere or a safe house or any like anywhere you could have put him under any sort of surveillance. You wouldn't even have to tell the guards it's Caster Troy because guess what? He doesn't have a face. 
How He's do we got know bandages though, that they on his <laughs> How do we know that that medical facility wasn't secure? That there wasn't just something that we weren't seeing? Like it was obvious that they were keeping this guy under lockdown. Because he only ends up killing three people. He burns the three most important people of the plot to death at once. If there had been other bodies, we would have seen. They, John Woo would not have resisted showing him killing a guard. They would have had him doing it in some super cool way and then putting a cigarette out in his eye or something. It's John Woo. If you didn't see it on screen, it doesn't happen. <laughs> okay, so, good point. I mean, so there you have it, guys. Face off, debunk. He has to kill every. He has to kill everybody involved so we can actually get the plot going to the, to the next you're level John, of the movie. You're John Woo, and you're We're, telling me that John Woo cuts the scene where Caster Troy, without a face, kills a prison guard with a scalpel? No. He shows that scene. It's a cool... It would be a cool scene. Uh, I, yeah, I, that's the part where you lose me. It, I mean, there's lots of parts where you lose All me. Right. The line is, it just has to be, mm -hmm. die, die, which he uses like four different <laughs> times and just makes me think of, <laughs> no, not the bees, the bees. <laughs> like, ah, my eyes, yeah, exactly. my eyes. That's it. Same vowels Timmy, you got a favorite line? <laughs> die is is the one at the end i also love like let's give the the bald dude some love his right hand man yeah. where he spends some time with him at the loft right and he's he, he's sort of reunited with his he just believes that that other woman's son is his for a second and freaks him the hell out by the way when he starts doing the oh, michael michael it's just hugging him it's like you're scaring him what are you doing but that bald dude he's got some quick one-liners there's nothing like the the total bad guy right when a cop comes into the frame and he just yells out i hate cops <laughs> he just starts blowing <laughs> some away <laughs> So yes, we get that. You hate these cops. You're going to shoot them and kill them. That's now. the guy that gives us. You mean you want to take his face yeah, off? Face <laughs> off. And he's the one that really kind of gets animated, where he puts his hand up to his face and then throws his hand out. Face off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I also had to point out at the end of the boat scene. Clearly, there are we and we know this that stunt men are being used all over the place sure. in this film. But uh -huh. if you you don't even have to pause is, right. the, is the issue that I have here. You don't. You can just watch that boat scene and they go slow motion when that boat hits the metal and they start flying towards the shore. They are going slow motion and you can clearly see two wildly different men yeah. flying through the <laughs> air. It's not yeah. even close. Don't go slow motion when the stuntmen's heads are on the are Right, on, you're supposed to put them on the outside of the frame or show it from behind while they're yeah. flying. That would be a cool look. Like their backs as they just head towards it. No. <laughs> or have they the mid have the mid flip. Frontal. You know, that's even cooler. Yeah, have have the mid flip, flip yeah. and you're ah. Cause you were doing that throughout the whole boat chase, like <laughs> right. cutaways. And then when they get to that, it's like, let's throw like two Hispanic dudes that are just flying through the air. Yeah. Right. Like they're not even the same skin tone. Like this is not even close facial hair. It's, it's not right. This they're probably wearing different colored suits. I don't know. <laughs> they were Navy so, blue instead of black. <laughs> despite all that, somehow the movie works. Yeah. And it's a classic <laughs> that you can throw on Amazon prime and people will still watch, even though it's two and a half hours long. For leftover purposes, mm -hmm. what food would you call this? I'll go first. I said uh, it was something that like should have freezer burn, and you pull it out, and you're like, this has been in here too long. It should be bad. 
but doesn't have too much and it still tastes good. So I liken it to like a, an older tub of ice cream that just has the little icicles on it. You scrape those off. Ice cream still tastes pretty good, but there's nothing to it. It's just sweet and, you know, nice for the moment, but there's, it's just ice cream. Well, I, I do this a lot. It, it works. It's certainly not the best thing in the world, it, nor is any leftover, right? I would say it's a, a day old tombstone. I cooked it maybe a little bit past what I would have liked originally. And I wrap each individual slice in foil, put it in the fridge, and then I'll pull it out, you know, 18 to 24 hours later and eat it cold. Mm -hmm. It's still got some of that crisp to it. It's very edible. It gets the job done. It, it fulfills me. And it's one of my favorite frozen foods to eat originally. So it's in that genre for me. It's a kick-ass movie. You have two major, colossal action movie stars right at the top billing. And let's face it, even the movie poster is famous for this one. Yeah. Just, I, I can, yeah. I can vi have a vision of that movie poster. It's just in the front of my mind when we talk about this. So, yeah, yeah, a little uh, day-old tombstone wrapped in the foil. The one, the one that came to me was uh, the leftovers that you take home from Waffle House which is to say that like all the right pieces are there. Uh, it's got everything. It's got everything, right? I mean, breakfast, it's got all the salt and the fat and the everything you want. How are the grits done? Uh, who, who, I like grits, but not in this application. We'll come back to that. Uh, but, but, it's there, but there's something, but even like eating it the next day, you know, you're, you know, it's, you have conflicted feelings about it. I, did I enjoy it? Yeah. Do I feel good about myself? No. <laughs> so I agree with you, Timmy. It's a fun movie. And and sometimes we spend so much time on Nerd Association, like looking at everything with a fine tooth comb as though it is fine art. And sometimes you just want a big, dumb, fun movie. And this is certainly that. Agreed. That is a good point. Why do we th why do we feel bad after we enjoy a movie like that? Like we've, we have truly just wasted two hours and 18 <laughs> minutes. But we, but we we would have just been, been scrolling through something. TikTok otherwise, right? So <laughs> everyone's doing it, right? Yeah. At least we can get some ideas if down the line we want to be a filmmaker, some things that we wouldn't do. Exactly. I was gonna say I'll, I'll make sure never if a director ever tells me to scream "die" at my mortal enemy, I'll be like, "Could we come up with another? Could idea. we reconsider on that one?" <laughs> Anyway, well, there you have it. A, another edition of Leftovers with Nerd Association going over face off. Big thank you to Timmy Hall for joining us today. Again, you can hear him every night, most nights on the Buckeye Show uh, weeknights. It, it goes all over the place, but it should be six to eight if it's in its true form. Thanks for joining us today, Tim. Hey, thanks, boys. It was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll try to fit this into the schedule again sometime. That's right. We'll do. If you'd like to be a part of Nerd Association or have any ideas that you, you think we could talk about, you can always send those our way. You can find us on Twitter at Nerd Associ. That's at N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Or you can email us nerdassoc at gmail.com. N-E-R-D-A-S-S-O-C at gmail. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>